We have the pleasure this morning of inviting someone into our midst who is not a stranger to most of us. He has been here a number of times in the past, and it's always been a treat. I have found it that way for sure whenever I get to listen to Scott McIntyre. So, Scott, won't you come at this time? Good morning, everyone. Everybody awake? Extra large triple triple with a side of double double. Is that what you got there? Good to see you. Good to be seen by you. Happy spring, I hope. We'll move in the prophetic for a minute today and call it happy spring anyway. Anybody have a Bible? If not, I know the screen will be here to help us as well. Does this go down a little bit? Maybe. This one here? There we go. I got to put a user's manual on these or something like that. There we go. Everybody happy? Easter is coming? Already? I was thinking on the way out, is it not early this year? Isn't Easter usually in like the latter part of April? I was thinking as as I was driving up this morning, I thought if it gets any earlier, we can just save our Christmas leftovers and have them for Easter dinner. But we'll see what the calendar looks like a few years down the road. But anyways, I digress. Good to be here. Nice to see it now. Oh, wait a minute. I have to ask, have you been, I've been uh, just kind of, Checking in on you, or checking in, maybe I should say I'm checking in on Mike to see what he's talking about so I don't do a, 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 a repeat of the same thing. You've been reading, you've been studying, well, you've been studying the Bible in the last few weeks, I think, if I'm not mistaken, right? So everybody join, just say for a moment, say this, say, hi, Mike. Now I'm going to look at the camera. Mike, you need to send me those slides that you used last week, okay? The ones where you talked about the city of London. And Did you enjoy the nice maps you had? Those were Send me those, if you will. So all of you, if you will, please, the next time Mike stands up here, please remind him to send me the slides, if you'll be so kind, just to help me in that regard. Because I enjoyed that myself as well. But it's good to be here with you today. Easter is coming. That's all right. We'll do a little lead into that momentarily. There came a time says the book of Luke. There came a time, let me read it for you, you don't have to turn there, we'll turn to other places this morning, but here's what we read in the book of Luke, as we're thinking that for us Easter is coming in a few weeks. Well, the time that we celebrate when we're talking about Easter, in the weeks leading up to that time for Jesus, here's what the, here's what the writer of the book of Luke tells us, he says, it came to pass when the time had come for Jesus to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. I mean, no, this is no surprise for Jesus. Yes? He knows why he's here. And as time passes on, did he not say to his disciples, we're going to Jerusalem? As time went on, do you remember when, when, when he said to the disciples, he says, you know, before too long, they're going to lift up the Son of Man. How many have read that in the Bible somewhere? And the Apostle Peter says, not so, Lord, that will never happen to you. So this is no surprise for Jesus. And what he's referring to is no surprise for his disciples. When they hear lifted up, they're familiar with what he's talking about. They've seen crosses. They've seen mangled bodies hanging on crosses. No wonder the Apostle Peter, when he hears Jesus say that he himself will be lifted up. No way. Not you. It came to pass, when the time had come for Jesus to be received up, 
that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Let's go to the screen. First one on the screen there, if you will, please. We have it there? Different slide. Here it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. There it is. Oh, back, back, back. Back to the one that says Mark, right at the top, right at the start. Mark chapter 10. Can you go? There we go. Remember, what did we say? Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. It's time. Now, when they're on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were afraid. Jesus was before them, and they were amazed, I should say. And as they followed him, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day... He will rise again. Let's stop there for a minute. Back to the top. They were going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Now you know as well as I do, that as you spend time with a person, as weeks, months, years passed, you get a sense for their demeanor. Yes? You get a sense. If I meet them today, here's what they'll probably be like. You get a sense of what kind of jokes they tell or don't tell. You get a a sense of what they laugh at or don't laugh at or what they like to eat or don't like to eat. And you get a a general sense of how they come across. Yes? Whether it's a family member, a co-worker, a friend, somebody that you have frequent exposure to, as time goes on, you get a sense of what they're about. Now that's happened to the disciples at this point in the story. However many years they've been with Jesus. Now they weren't with him every day for years on end. They were with him for several days, periodically by times. Maybe they went away for a little bit, came back together. But time has passed. And now Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem. And it seems to me that something has maybe changed in his demeanor. Because Luke tells us this, as they followed, they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Something different about him today, Andrew. Yeah, I noticed that too, Philip. Hey, John, you you noticed anything different about Jesus? Hey, Peter, any idea what's going on here? Hey, Bartholomew, he say anything to you? Now, I don't remember all the rest of the names. Don't worry, I'm not going to do all 12 because they, they sometimes slip my mind. But he, he seems a little different. I mean, oh, this happens with people, right? You might meet a co-worker one day and say, something happened to this guy. I don't know what, but a little different than usual. As they followed, they were amazed. As they followed, they were afraid. Let's go to the next screen. Stay out of the man's way. Seems to me that that's maybe what the disciples were thinking as they were journeying to... Stay out of the man's way. Something's different here. I think it's okay. Stay out of the man's way. Stay out of his way. We're going somewhere with this. Don't worry about it. Stay out of the man's way. Now, the disciples had learned this lesson over and over. In fact, they'd learned it, they'd forgotten it, they'd learned it again, they'd forgotten. Stay out of his way. 
Stay out of the man's way. They'd learned it long, long ago. They forgot it. Jesus, Jesus helps, helps Simon Peter. He pulls in a boat sinking load of fish. Peter clues in. Stay out of the man's way. Let him do his thing. As we alluded to a bit earlier, one day a little later on, Jesus says to him, you know what, they're going to lift up the Son of Man. Peter says, not so, Lord. He forgot the lesson. Stay out of the man's way. Let him do his thing. Another example. Next screen, if you will, please. Just one click. How many of you have seen this picture before? Or one like it? Now, can I be honest with you? I'm not sure this is actually how the story went. But it, it, the, the usual presentation we have of this story is that the mighty Jesus steps forward, raises both hands, and in a roaring voice says, Peace. Be still. Now that's the North American superhero version of the story. Yes? Uh, if, the, if the sea is really that rough, I don't think you're standing up in the boat. Now, this is not a doctrine we're creating. Just leave it alone. But let me just take a minute or two to give you my version of the story. Question, what was Jesus doing before the storm kicked up? Oh, this is beautiful. Mark says not, not only was he sleeping, he was sleeping on a pillow. How many of you have heard of REM sleep? That's the kind you didn't get last night because you changed your clock, right? But Jesus is asleep on a pillow. He's getting some high-quality pillow time. And then the disciples come. Don't you care? We're drowning! Wake up! Come on! Hurry! Hurry! And then this is what the artists tell us happened. <laughs> Question. When you are getting REM sleep on a pillow, what are you like when you first wake up? Do you recognize this face? How about this walk? How many recognize yourself? Yeah? So why would we think Jesus is any different? Now remember, I'm not creating a doctrine. I'm just, just for fun this morning. Jesus, Jesus, wake up! Don't you care? I mean, no, that's you. Somebody tries to wake you up. Leave me alone. But if you keep reading the story, you'll find that Jesus did in fact wake up. Jesus did in fact speak to the storm, and it was calm. The disciples did in fact marvel and say, Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? But the part we often forget is that Jesus said to his disciples, Where's your faith? I was sleeping on a pillow, thank you very much. If you go back to the beginning of the story, here's what you find. Before they got in the boat, this is what Jesus says. Let's go to the other side. Now wait a minute. When Jesus speaks, is that not the Word of God? So the Word of God for their situation on that late afternoon, early evening, that night, whatever it happened to be, the Word of God for their situation is, let's go to the other side. 
He didn't say, let's go to the other side unless a storm kicks up. He said, let's go to the other side. No wonder he says to them after he stilled the storm, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Did I not say, let's go to the other side? I didn't say, we'll get there unless there's a storm. I said, let's go to the other side. Get out of the man's way. What'd you wake me up for? If you wanted the storm to calm down, why didn't you tell it to calm down? Or even better, why didn't you just remember that I said, let's go to the other side? doesn't matter what the storm does. When the word of God is, let's go to the other side, we're going to get to the other side. One more click, if you will, please. He is at rest. You can be too. Remember what he already said. Yes? When he says to the disciples, let's go to the other side, that's their clue, oh, we're going to the other side. No wonder he's sleeping. When he is at rest, and he is, you can be too. Remember what he has already said. Amen? He's at rest about you. He is at rest about your family. He's at rest about people you know who don't yet know him. He's at rest about that. He's okay with that. He wants them to know him, but he's not fretting about it. Because he knows that his provision for them has already been made. Just like it was made for you. And he knows that what would truly help them is for them to acknowledge not what they need to do, but what he has already done. So he's at rest. And I can be too. You can be too. Remember what he's already said. When you beat the tar out of your alarm clock this morning, and now you feel bad about it, I shouldn't have displayed such a... He's at rest. You can be too. Relax. Relax. He is at rest. You can be too. Remember what he has already said. The book of Hebrews chapter 1 tells us this, that God in these last days, which, now remember, the last days have been going on forever since he said the last days, so don't worry about that. says, God in these last days has spoken to us by his Son. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, He has spoken to us by His Son. Not just the words that Jesus speaks Himself that are written in red in whatever version you have. But Jesus Christ Himself is God's message to the world. He's God's message to you. So when Jesus comes along, or even when the Old Testament prophet stands up and says, there's coming a day when the righteousness of humanity will be of God and not of humanity... That's the Word of God. And now Jesus comes along, as the Apostle Paul tells us in, in, in Romans and 2 Corinthians, he says, Jesus himself is our righteousness. Those words never came from Jesus' own mouth, but they're the Word of God, because it's Him. So if we want to know what God is saying concerning ourselves, or what He's saying concerning the world around us, or the individuals that we meet each day, what do you know about Jesus? Because He's the Word of God. When God says to me that in Jesus, He was reconciling the world to Himself, 
He was doing away with any reason to oppose humanity. When he says, I accomplished that through Jesus, then I better take that as my perception too. If God says he's not opposed to anybody, then why would I tell somebody that God's opposed to them? That doesn't make any sense. Why would any preacher or any congregation communicate a message that says God is opposed to this, 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 and particularly you, when God has already said that in Christ Jesus, He already worked to do away with any reason He would see to turn anybody away, then my message better line up with His. Otherwise, it's not the Word of God. Now, does that mean that in this natural world there isn't some cleaning up that would be nice? No, we're not saying that's not true. But it doesn't begin with a stick. It begins with the acknowledgement of what God in Christ Jesus has already done for all of us. Amen? Amen. Now, we don't know that from the very words that Jesus spoke himself necessarily, but we know that from what we know to be true of him and what he has done. Are we doing okay so far today? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And today God speaks to us in the person of Jesus Christ. What do you want to know? Look at Jesus. What does he have to say? What does his very being say to you? Now I haven't been here in a little while. That's okay. But let me ask you a question because I always like to check in when I come back. Is it still... Now I remember your answer from last time. So the question this time, is it still okay with you? That God calls you righteous, even if you've done no righteousness. Is that still okay with you? Or do you say, no, come on, let me do something here. Let me see if I can make it a little better. No. (laughs) Maybe if I show up enough at the right place at the right time and lift my hands enough and sing the right song and don't do that and don't do that and do do this and don't do that and do the do and don't the don't. (laughs) Is it okay with you that God says no? Your, your righteousness is already established apart from you before you even needed it or before you even knew you needed it. It was established and it continues forever. His name is Jesus. Is that okay with you still? I just want to make sure we're all still okay. Now, remember, we like to look in the mirror and say, now, just human tendency. But that's good for me. Next question. Is it okay with you that the people around you in the world, whether you know them in person in this region or another part of the world, whether it's somebody you've only seen on TV or heard of in the newspaper, is it okay with you that regardless of what they have done in life up to this point, provision has already been made for God to say to them, I see no reason to oppose you. Sometimes that's a little harder for us to swallow. True? But didn't 2 Corinthians say what I just quoted before? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and is not imputing their sins to them. The Amplified Version of the Bible says he has canceled them. Is that okay with you? Is it all right? 
that even though the religion, even the one that we seem to stem from, would rather hold up the list and say, look what the don'ts you haven't don'ted and look at the do's that you have do and the don'ts that you have done and the don'ts that you did do. Remember, what's good for me is good for them. Otherwise, it's not good for me. So if God says to Scott McIntyre, you've been reconciled through no work of your own, righteousness has been credited to you through no work of your own, then it applies to anybody else around me just as much as to me. Amen. Now remember, yeah, there's still room for tidying up in the world. Even in my own living room, so to speak. But that doesn't change God's perception of the world that is rooted first in His love and the fulfillment of His love even in this natural plane through the work of what Jesus Christ has already done. Amen? Reconciled. Made righteous. God looking at you and saying, regardless of what happened yesterday or 20 years ago, I see no reason to oppose you. Yeah, what you did is detrimental to you or to somebody else. Stop it. But it doesn't disqualify you. Amen. Amen. That we can rest because He is at rest when we remember what He has already said. Amen. Wisdom is yours. Did you know that? The New Testament says you have the mind of Christ. Amen. Do you ever have a thought that was so good you knew it didn't come from you? <laughs> I've had those before. Sometimes you don't recognize it till hindsight. But you stop and you say, oh, yeah, that's good. That did not come from me. <laughs> the mind of Christ at work in you. I like to describe it this way. How many of you know how, many of you know you have a knower in here, not just up here? You've got a knower right in here. At least this is, this is where my knower is. Maybe yours is in your ankle. I don't know where it is, but mine's right in here. And you can know things with this knower before this knower catches up. And sometimes this knower disagrees with this knower. Now, my experience is that I don't usually figure it out until hindsight, and then I go, I knew that! I just didn't know it up here. I knew it here. But how many of you know we are learning? Didn't the Apostle Paul say, there is a transformation by the renewing of the... This knower is going to tune in to this knower. And when they're working together, guess what you find? Yes, the mind of Christ is present with me. Stay out of the man's way. Let his knower be the one that counts more than mine. If my knower disagrees, stay out of the man's way. Yes? Stay out of the man's way. Wisdom is yours. You have the mind of Christ. Amen. Stay out of the man's way. The disciples had learned this, forgotten it, learned it again, forgotten it, learned it again, forgotten it. How many know I'm a disciple? <laughs> Still happens today. Next screen. We're drawing a little closer to Easter. What happened around... Oh, wait a minute, I've got to give you a heads up. Go ahead with that whole screen, if you will, please. His ways won't always match your idea of how things should be. True? Next one. For example... Next screen, please. Back to the pre-Easter story. How many know this story? This was leading up to what we know as Easter. Yes? Actually, it was the same night which Jesus was betrayed, if I remember correctly. Do you recall the story? 
Jesus gets up from the supper table, takes off his outer garments, puts on the apparel of the household servant, and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. You recall the story? And the time comes for Peter to have his feet washed. I mean, Peter has some ideas. When Jesus said, the Son of Man will be lifted up, Peter had other ideas. Not you, Lord. Stay out of the man's way. Your turn, Peter. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will. No, Lord! You will never wash my feet. I mean, no, different ideas. If I don't wash you, you have no part in me. Now I know Peter changes his tune pretty quick. Not just my feet then, man. Let's get the whole thing done. Scrub a dub. Let's go. Do my head. Do my hands. Do everything. Come on. The renewing of the mind happened pretty quick. Right? But for a time, the idea that Jesus had didn't really sink with Peter's idea. So Peter's got an opportunity again. Stay out of the man's way. Not so, Lord. You'll never wash my feet. Peter, stay out of my way. Stay out of my way. It's all right. You don't understand now? That's okay. In time, you will understand. If you sometimes find that God's ways don't make sense, I tend to agree with you. Yes? I tend to agree with you for sure doesn't make sense that the master and the servant or the master and the Lord of all would put on the towel and pour the water and wash the feet. doesn't make sense to me. doesn't make sense to me that as I look back on my life history and consider the prescription that God gave for human conduct, even in the Old Testament, are you telling me that somebody like me is righteous? That doesn't make sense. And then God goes on in the same verse and says, not only is Jesus your righteousness, He's also your holiness. Meaning you are perfectly acceptable to God. You are perfectly useful for His purposes. Uh Uh-uh, not me. Are you kidding? Sometimes my ideas don't synchronize with His ideas. It's in those moments where we have a choice to make. Yes? Something just floated across my mind. I guess I'm supposed to share it. I don't know. But self-degradation is a form of pride, just like self-exaltation. In the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, self-degradation is pride as much as self-exaltation. Because it's centered in you. My situation in life is determined entirely by me, for better or for worse. Same tree, different fruit. It's all centered in me and what I have done. I mean, self-exaltation isn't so great. But in a lot of ways, self-degradation is even worse. Neither of them are very good, because they're both centered in me, 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 me. But one's no better than the other. 
It's all centered in yourself. When God has said, no, His eternal purpose for humanity has been accomplished in Christ Jesus. And as we're learning and growing in the knowledge of Jesus, we find ourselves being more, for lack of a better word, tuned in to the reality of ourselves. Who we are truly in the light of God, in, in God's presence because of Jesus and all that He has done. Stay out of my way, Peter. Stay out of my way. Just stay out of the way. Did the Scripture not say that God works in you to will and to do for His good pleasure? Now, His ideas are still going to run contrary to yours from time to time. Stay out of the man's way. Stay out of his way. We're heading for a finish here today. If you sometimes think that God's ways don't make sense, I tend to agree with you. I would tend to agree with you. But here's a secret maybe I've learned. I think we've all learned it to a certain degree. We actually find strength when we put ourselves in the place of humility. You'll find strength there. Because when you set yourself in a place of humility, you're out of the way. You're not in His way. Another word for humility, or one that we find not quite the same, but that we generally think of as being very similar to humility, is the word meekness. If you are meek, it simply means this. You are not self-assertive. You don't insist that your way in life is established by who you are and what you have done, for better or for worse. We're learning to recognize that who I am today is because of Christ and all that He has done. My well-being and that of others around me is centered in Christ and His work in me and His work within us. We'll put ourselves in the place of humility before God and we'll find strength. Because He works in us to will and to do for His good pleasure. I often think of what the Apostle Paul wrote in what we call Romans chapter 10. How many know he was a Jew himself? He was an Israelite. And he says of his own brethren, his own kinfolk, he says, My desire for them is that they may be saved. He says, I bear witness of them that they have great zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He says, They are ignorant of God's righteousness, and they seek to establish their own. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. Now, he's speaking in the immediate context to the Jews, but I'll put myself in that boat from time to time, too. That there are times when in my thinking and thereby in my actions, it would appear that I'm completely ignorant of what God has said. I'm trying to establish something of my own before God. Paul said of his kinfolk, he says, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They had a different idea in mind for what Messiah was supposed to be. They had a different idea of what the law of Moses was given for. Speaking of the people in his immediate time frame. And when Jesus came on the scene and ideas collided, they did away with the wrong one. I hope that's not me. But I know from time to time it has been. That when my idea of what should be done, or my idea of how somebody should be treated, or what my opinion of this should be, ideas clashed, and I went with the wrong one. 
That's not good for me. That's not good for anybody. Doesn't do me any good to think that my conduct is the first line of my well-being. The first line of my well-being is Jesus. But the miracle that you'll find is that the more you acknowledge Him, the more He in fact does work in you. And your outward becomes better than you ever thought it could be. Yes? You hear testimonies of, maybe some of you have experienced this, but some people dealt, with, dealt for years with anger. And they went to all the anger treatment they could think of getting, but they just couldn't shake the anger. Whatever the past hurt was that they thought was the source of the anger, they just couldn't shake it. And then they got a hold of some understanding concerning Christ. And they looked back one day and thought, where'd anger go? Some people experience that with alcohol. They just couldn't shake it. Tried so hard. God must be mad at me. I've got to try harder. They get up each day. I don't want to have a drink today. And by the end of the day, they thought, I didn't want to have a drink today. Then they got a hold of something about Jesus. And before long, they looked back and said, where'd the alcohol go? There wasn't a conscious effort to stop or start something. It was just an acknowledgement of Christ. And they found that He works in you to will and to do for His good pleasure. And He calls us to a place of, here's my idea. Here's what I've proposed. I've proposed that you are righteous because of me, not of you. I've proposed that your neighborhood is reconciled to me, not because of them, but because of me. I've proposed that my love is good for all people and my grace abounds to everybody. I watch the news and I don't always want that to be true. Can I be that honest with you? I watch the news and it makes me angry sometimes just as much as it makes you angry sometimes. But it doesn't change what God has prescribed for all of humanity. And so we'll acknowledge Him and what He has given and what He works in us and we'll find, can I say that, do you know he's actually real? And he works within us. I know we can go around the room and we'd have people tell us of how God has proven himself faithful in our lives. And we've seen the very results of the things we're talking about today. Working in us. Even when we weren't aware. And we look back and say, oh. I'll finish with a thought from Joseph. The picture of Jesus from the Old Testament. I mean, Joseph did not have an easy go of it in this life. Not from his family's end of things, not just not from life period. He did not have an easy go of it for a lot of years. And truth be told, it wasn't until hindsight that he looked back and he said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God turned into good. Can we trust the Lord enough that we don't always have to have the answers? I don't have to know why He calls me righteous other than He's told me He loves me. I don't have to know why He's provided for me what He's provided for me. But I can trust that He has done what He has done. And that I am who He has told me that I am. I can trust that. Because it begins with knowing, as I know you're already well aware, His love for the world. His love for humanity. 
His love for every person is the driving force behind all that he has given us and all that he has done. When he says to you, you are righteous, you say, you demand Jesus. When he says to you, the world has been reconciled, I don't hold their sins against them, don't you either, you say, you demand Jesus. We sang earlier today, you are my healer, you demand Jesus. I'll get up each day and I'll go as best I can, knowing that you work in me to will and do for your good pleasure. When he says to me something that comes contrary to my reasoning, you demand Jesus. I'll stay out of your way. What you have done and what you are doing today, help me to be mindful of your love. That even when this knower doesn't agree with this knower, I'm going to go with this one. Because I know the love of God. When somebody in the congregation stands up and shares of an opportunity that they have, or maybe a group of people have, in the future, when, when Mike or anybody else is leading a group to go somewhere and accomplish something good in the name of the love of God, and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, you contribute this much to it right now. You demand, Jesus. I'll do it. I'll do it. Because He'll work in you to will and to do for His good pleasure. And when you remember His love, you know, I'm never set up for failure. I'm always set up for good success. I'm always set up for my well-being and the well-being of those around me. I don't always know how, and sometimes my knees knock in fear because I don't know how it's all going to come about. But it's not up to me to know the how. It's up to me to know Him and what He has prescribed. Sometimes I will follow with fear. Sometimes I'll acknowledge the demeanor of the Lord and I might be a little afraid. But I believe by this stage in their lives, the disciples already knew it's best to be with Him. No matter what His demeanor looks like, even though I have no clue what He's talking about, I know it's better to be with Him than anywhere else. You've all come far enough, I believe, in your walk with the Lord that you know there are times when you're not quite sure. But what you do know is that it's better to be with Him than even sometimes in my own ideas. A quote from Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake I'll follow the good shepherd knowing his love first knowing that he has my well-being at heart and he has the well-being of everyone around me at heart so I will follow him I'll stay out of his way stay out of the man's way Jesus you the man lead me on in my own understanding lead me on in my outward conduct that I might be a vessel of your love, your grace, your provision for every person. Father, thank you today for your love. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are the source of every good and every perfect gift, the gift of righteousness offered to all, the gift of reconciliation. Father, I thank you for this Hope Fellowship body of believers. Thank you for your life in each one, for each household represented here, Father. I thank you for your blessing, your ability to be well and do well. 
all because of your love given to us in Jesus. Thank you that this body of believers stands as a witness in this community of your compassion, of your grace, of your favor. Thank you, O Savior, for every good and every perfect gift that you are to us. Thank you that you work within us for your good pleasure. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for who you are and all that you have done, all because of the love of the Father made known to us through you, sealed and made known each day in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, O Jesus, for your great grace. It's in your name we pray together today. Amen.